Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my work at joehaggerty.substack.com. Uh, get a premium membership. You get all of my Bruins and NHL content sent straight directly to your inbox. I also file columns uh, for the Boston Sports Journal after every Bruins game. So check out uh, postgame, thebostonsportsjournal.com for uh, my analysis, uh, feature columns, all kinds of things about the Bruins. Uh, after they play games, uh, usually three or four times a week. Um, with me today, uh, per usual, friend and colleague, Mick, Colli- Mick Collagio. Mick, please tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Mick Colleague. That's, that's... Mick Colleague. I shortened it up Mick right college. there. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of ways we can go on that, but in the old country, it's Collegio. There you um, go. So, uh, yeah, I'm on, I got my Rick Brett blog back independently. So I link to that on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, I do that during games. Um, I'm often here. And uh, and then I uh, write a weekly column for the bostonhockeynow.com site. Uh, it usually pops up on Sunday sometime. And it's Bruins Center, but goes around the NHL a bit. And uh, and then um, I've got an appointment with Coach Mujanel tomorrow morning to talk about the uh, future watch for the hockey news. Bruins prospects time. Oh, nice. I, I always enjoy conversations with the Muj. He's uh, he's actually a fun guy and he's he's pretty candid and honest about uh, the Bruins prospects and what's going on with them. So I'm sure you'll enjoy that. Let's also- I don't know how long they're going to keep be able to keep this guy in the organization. He's terrific. I agree. I agree. Um, he, he's he's definitely got a bright future, and he's somebody that's uh, done well for himself with developing players too. I think when they come up to Providence, uh, Boston, from Providence, they are they're ready to go, and and they've learned the right things. And you know, even like with a guy like Lysel, uh, I think the way he's handled him this year, I think uh, Mujanel deserves a lot of credit for where Lysel is now and sort of the development path that he's taken this entire year. But uh, we'll get to more of that in a sec. Let's also thank our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Uh, if for some reason you're not on FanDuel right now, I highly recommend you jump on there, download the app. It's really easy to use. Uh, that is the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS network. Uh, you can go for spreads, player props, over, under, so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and uh, jump right into the NFL playoffs going on right now. Uh, the NHL, obviously, at the midpoint, NBA too. Uh, lots of stuff going on. And let's also thank Amer- uh, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, Factor Meals. Uh, if you want to fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door, you pop them in the microwave, leave the plastic on, the steam heats them up for two minutes, then you're ready to go. Delicious, calorie-conscious meals, uh, chef-prepared. Uh, if you're busy like me and you're running around from rink to rink coaching your kids in hockey and uh, and covering hockey, you don't have a lot of time for meals. So uh, this is a nice option to have, and the meals are really good. I am a, a client as well as a spokesman. They're excellent. So check out Factor Meals. All right, let's get into this, Mick. Uh, episode number 58 right now. Um, the Bruins are in a good place. They've won five in a row. Uh, they're averaging four point four three goals uh in the games since uh the christmas break 
Um, they've had some good wins uh, recently. The win against Colorado uh, at home, the win against Winnipeg, that revenge game, the last game, uh, winning four to one and snapping that long streak since the beginning of November of Winnipeg, uh, only allowing three goals or less per game. Um, the offense has definitely taken a big uptick uh, over the last month or so. It's been very noticeable uh, with the Bruins. Just your thoughts about where they are right now, why we're seeing the offense that we're seeing, uh, and you know where this is all coming from. Because I, I this I think the latest uh, three weeks to a month of what we've seen of the Bruins makes me start to believe that they might be capable of maybe winning a round or two in the playoffs. I don't think there's, I still don't think there's Stanley cup caliber. I think there's a couple of spots on this team when the playoff hockey, really physical, nasty stuff starts where they're just not going to be able to sustain that for two months and handle that and excel in that and thrive in that uh, unless they make some moves at the trade deadline to bring in some, some uh, rough customers, but just what I've seen offensively out of them, uh, the balance now when they've moved around the third and fourth lines Jake DeBrus coming alive, Morgan Geeky really developing and getting comfortable. Uh, now you're starting to see Trent Frederick uh, is a guy that can drive a line now, and you can put him at center between um, two other wingers, and he can really like excel. And he doesn't need somebody else to play off of necessarily. Um, just a lot of things to really like about the forward group, and that has allowed the defensemen uh, to also, you know freewheel a little bit more offensively, join the rush, all that kinds of stuff. So I think we're seeing what you would expect to see from a Jim Montgomery offense over the last month. And it's looking pretty healthy at this point for the Bruins. Um, what you just said about Trent Frederick, using that phrase, drive a line, is something that people would have laughed at if you said this three years ago. And I know. he was that bad but he hadn't connected his good stretches of hockey. He hadn't glued them together in a manner that inspired confidence among the masses that this guy could be core to how this team plays and wins hockey games. He was always pretty good getting the puck out of the zone, getting the puck in the zone, and the hands that Montgomery has identified as being very good, uh, those those are uh, those have been, you know, yeah, the kid, kid can play. But uh, his to grow in his role, to find his way, whatever line he happens to be on, he quickly achieves that chemistry. Uh, just to be able to talk about him that way just says like, okay, you just got another player on your team. And he's at the core yes. of what you're doing. And that's terrific for the Bruins. To, and and geek, the geeky pickup is similar in that he comes from the outside. So in as much as you've lost players from last year, significant ones, obviously, um, these two guys, uh, their growth of Frederick's role and the incoming of Geeky and his assimilation to the, what the Bruins are doing, uh, you know, just uh, been terrific. Uh, the other guy I'm going to throw into that mix is Danton Heinen, and I didn't think I would. Uh, yeah. You know, to maybe a slightly lesser degree, but he's coming on lately, and he's showing much more aggression and in his instincts around uh, around puck hunting, uh, becoming the support guy in an aggressive way, throwing the body, uh, uh, getting his stick into those half wall battles and being that next guy that makes a team think that, hey, I think we got this situation contained. No, boom, here's Heinen now. And, and the Bruins are popping pucks loose. They're 
extending those cycles and they're now having these shifts like they used to 12 years ago where they have a team in and you know they're going to start getting changes and you yep. start seeing DeBrus pop over the boards. You start seeing Zaka pop over the boards. You say, okay, fresh legs with good sticks are getting out there right now. And they're either going to score a goal or they're going to force a penalty. And this is increasing. And this is an element of Bruins hockey that I had not seen in a very long time. And they needed to add this. And I felt like last year there was a, there was about 10-game stretch midseason where their forecheck, because of how many guys they had with elite speed, uh, could get in on the forecheck that this would you could see the potential for that this team doesn't have quite that kind of elite speed but right. they're getting in there they're doing it they're doing what I wanted to see last year's team do had last year's team gotten to this kind of hockey I think they win the Stanley Cup this team isn't as good but they're doing what that team was trying never got to or didn't get to of any consistency it's exciting to watch. It's fun to watch. I think that's why you blow out Montreal. I think that's why you emerge in the third period and beat the Avalanche and beat the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I do think, like, clearly last year's team was more of a rush team than anything else, um, and they wanted to rush the puck, and they wanted to score off the rush, and you saw that a lot with the skaters they had and, you know, the way that they played. Um, but I did see, I remember seeing last year in the second half of the year, there was a focus on cycling the puck more and, and pounding teams in the offensive zone and, and, and playing that way. And I, Taylor Hall, I remember was a guy that they were trying to convince to sort of play that way when he was always a rush guy. And, and you definitely, I thought in the second half of last year saw to, and you mentioned this, the 10 game stretch, or whatever, I, I definitely saw points last year in the second half where they were trying to play that way. Cause they knew the playoffs were coming and you have to play that way. And they didn't, but in the playoffs, it was gone. Right. Yeah. Well, because Florida took it away because Florida just choked the life out of them with their forecheck. But I, I, you know, you you saw them trying to play this way last year. And I think you're seeing the same thing now with the way that they're playing, the connectivity that they have, the puck possession in the offensive zone. Um, You know, they're bigger. Like Morgan Geeky's a big guy. Uh, Trent Frederick's Mm -hmm. a big guy. They've got some guys. Big guy. That, yes, can, that can possess the puck and win battles down low and 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 play that game. They don't need the speed as much as they have the speed, the size and the strength uh, to win the battles and to hold guys off. And, uh, you know, Charlie Coyle's the same way, puts a guy on his hip and just rides them all around the offensive zone. So they have some of those guys. Um, and, and it's noticeable the way that they're playing. And the other part of it, and you're right about Heinen too, like I didn't even notice – how many shots on net he had, how many shots he generated until I started looking at the numbers. And he's way up there on the Bruins. Like he gets a lot of shots on net. He gets a lot of chances. He gets a lot of action uh, based on the way that he plays. And he's obviously a much better player, more complete player than he was when he was before here before, just as far as um, the assertiveness, taking the puck, not deferring oh, yeah. to other players, Absolutely. just taking it and taking it into the zone, taking it up the ice if he's got the time and space, uh, and, and taking the play when it's there and being a lot more aggressive. He was not anywhere close to that assertive when he was with Ooh. the before. So that that's been impressive to watch. The one the one other thing I noticed looking at the numbers the other day um, is that the greater puck possession time, the greater uh, offense that they're producing. Uh, and as I referenced with the defenseman, Hampus Lindholm over the last month has been productive offensively. I think he's got 
eight assists in 11 games, something like that, playing 23 minutes high in the plus uh, category. I, I think he more than anybody else, when the forwards are doing their job, when the puck is getting into the offensive zone, it helps him become the player that we thought we, that he was last year and, and looks less like the guy that was kind of struggling in the first few months and, and basically just locked into a shutdown sort of defenseman uh, mode uh, where he wasn't doing much of off uh, anything offensively and he was retreating at the first sign of trouble, whereas now you're seeing him hang in there, make plays, get shots on net, doing a lot, looking more like the Hampus Lindholm we expected to see most of this year and we saw all of last year. So I think that's also um, a very encouraging sign uh, that this whole thing is allowing the defensemen to sort of get back to where they were last year as well. Uh, that's a great point on Lindholm because I thought his game has been excellent of late. Yep. He's, been, he's been defending more aggressively at late. He's been throwing the body more. And, and, uh, and, and Monty said that the reason um, that the Bruins are cleaner, more consistent on their zone entries is because they're closing off plays defensively sooner, getting yeah. the puck better back in better position with more time and space to make plays cleanly into the attacking zone. So the Bruins have become a harder checking team. That was their answer to their slump, uh, was to become a harder checking team all over the ice. The result of just ratcheting up that and just tightening that, not just, you know, a little more everywhere on the ice in every little area, uh, they have, as collectively, become much more effective in the game that they were trying to play. And I, I think, I, I mean, if there's another level for the Bruins after this that that is playoff level, then I'd love to see it. Because right now, I feel like the hockey they're playing does win a round in the playoffs. How far yep. does it go after that is anyone's guess. Because, like Monty said, every 10-game segment, it gets a little, a little more like the playoffs. And and this one here right now is the best version we've seen of the Bruins this season, um, easily in my mind. I don't care how many games in a row they won or whatever was going yeah. on before. I felt like they were really relying on their goaltending. It's they were. really great to see them becoming a team that funnels the attack, opponent's attack away from the quality scoring areas and closes off the situations that allow a guy like, uh, Swayman or Almark to make the big save when they need to, but not be the guy who's getting shelled for 10 minutes before the Bruins find their legs. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, pick a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, 
Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Well, th- there is zero question this uh, five game winning streak. I think the current one that they're on is the best hockey that they've played all year, all around two way hockey. Um, I think they've played their best overall brand of hockey since the holiday break. They've been energized in a big way. You can see that they needed that three-day break the way they limped into it before the holiday break and the way that they've come out of it afterwards. Um, And, you know, you're absolutely right. The first few months of the season, they were relying on – it was a leaky defense that was allowing a lot of uh, odd man rushes and a lot of breakaways, and they were relying on – at times, especially early in games for Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark to carry them and to be the best players on the ice and to constantly either steal games or steal periods that was allowing them to uh, finally win. And they also had to white knuckle a lot of third periods mm-hmm. where it was constantly one goal games. They could not extend the lead. They could not run away from other teams. And that was uh, pushing them into situations where they were allowing goals late in the periods, going to overtime and losing, going to the shootout and losing or winning. Um, But now we're seeing them extend the leads in the third periods. We're seeing them look more like last year where they would just blow teams away in the third period, run away from them and didn't have to worry about like, you know, protecting a, a one goal lead late in the third when the goalie gets pulled or worried about getting pushed to overtime or worried about if their defensemen aren't um, stalwart enough around the net to really hold off when things get chaotic and guys just throw the kitchen sink at them uh, trying to score that desperation goal, which was a big problem in the first, you know, three months of the season. Uh, we're not seeing that as much uh, now. And I think we're, it's, it's interesting to watch um, how they've corrected some of those things, improved some of those things. And it just, you know, what Montgomery said from the beginning, he was very vocal about not being, not liking what he saw, them being a work in progress, them having a lot of flaws and things that they were trying to correct in practice and everything else to the point where they bag skated them uh, one time, which I hadn't seen in years. And there were a few times Montgomery was very vocal, uh, you know, with his team challenging them earlier in the year too. The reason, the reason that we have our records is because of our goaltenders. Yes. Yeah. And we're not, seeing, we're not seeing that as much now. And, and at one point he admitted like when they had the 14, one and three record or whatever, that we're not a 14 and one, three, one and three team. They, they knew that, you know, they knew that the record early in the year, the gaudy record they had put up was not indicative of the way that they were playing now they're playing more like that. I think oh, now absolutely. they are playing a level of play and a style of play 
and at a high enough execution level that their execution matches the record, matches them being, you know, seven-point leaders in the Atlantic Division, six-point leaders in the Eastern Conference, neck-and-neck with the Vancouver Canucks for the best record in the league, and being a team that other teams don't want to face in the playoffs. I think they are starting to play that way. Now the question becomes maintaining it, being able to, you know, harness that and keep that for the rest of the season. But, like, you also pull back and look at the schedule, and I think we've talked about this a little bit, they're also in a stretch of 12 or 14 at home from mid-January to mid-February. The end of this week, they're going to um, Ottawa and, and Philly. Those are the only two games they're going to have on the road until like late February. What a weird February. It really is. This but is like a wild it, Bruins schedule. This is, the Bruins used to be home in March, away in February. This year, it's kind of a little bit, you know. It is, but it's setting them up like to really run away from teams now. Like I, I this well, is they're taking perfect. advantage. They're taking advantage of it. That is, they definitely the- are. But it's almost setting up like, um, like the perfect sort of reverse of last year, where they did have to grind and go through adversity in the first half of the year. Re- really had to white knuckle a lot of games. You know, find th- within themselves to win games, lose games, have gut check moments where they were challenging each other. All that stuff was going on in the first half, and now they're getting to a point where uh, they're playing their best hockey. They're going to be able to rest and recharge for this entire month and sort of get ready for the you know final couple of month uh, sprint towards the playoffs. And, and really, I think are in a much better position this year to go on a run than last year. Now, I don't. It's all going to depend on what they get at the trade deadline and what they can bring in as far as the sort of physical, hard nosed, you know, tough to play against kind of guys that I think you and I both want to see added to this team. And then we'll see what the full picture is of this roster before the playoffs. But. I'm a lot more bullish and optimistic about this team now after watching them over the last month uh, than I was earlier in the year. Cause I think they're just at a, at a whole different level now. Yeah. They're playing that. They're playing a kind of brand of hockey that can win in the playoffs. Something we weren't seeing early on, but we knew that was what it was going to have to be with this club last year. You know, I mean, it's, it's weird to talk about this team given how many significant players were on this team last year that are not, uh, so it's, but at the same time, uh, it's hard not to look at such a great record again and not look at last year and and look at the various stages. So I totally get that. And I and then last year I thought they had a lot of close games, but I felt like they they just had so much belief and confidence with all the skill on their team that they were going to be the team that scored if anybody was going to score. If not, their goaltending was going to hold up, and they always did, you know. And and uh, and they. And uh, this year, uh, they have. It took them a while to get to their game, to get to a game that suited the level of talent that they have. Charlie Coyle's been a monster. Uh, yep. His confidence uh, handling the puck and fending off would-be puck strippers in the attacking zone, especially, has been immense. Uh, and so he has certainly uh, replaced um, Pavel Zaka. Uh, who was the center for a bit uh, between Martian and Pasternak when they were together earlier in the season, which was not full time. So uh, I, I, at the time when Zach was between them and, and they scored some goals, some really pretty ones, you know, I thought of them as the confection line because it isn't Bergeron, but it's pretty sweet. So I think with Coyle, we have a new confection. 
<laughs> so it's it's uh it's a little harder hockey, a little more puck possession oriented, a little more physical. Um and uh and and right now uh you know the coils become dominant in a manner that's allowed Montgomery to to give him his props and call him a number one center. Yeah. And uh, you know, and part of the explanation of his higher production is playing consistently with better offensive finishers and players. You you play with David Poshnek and Brad Marchand every single night, guess what? You're going to be a center that's probably going to pile up some points and you're going to get more time and space um, to create and to make things happen. And, you know, I think he's uh, credit to him for running with it and taking the ball right. and and taking his game to a whole different level. And, you know, I, I wonder too, like with a guy like Charlie Coyle, him having played beside Patrice Bergeron, um, you know, for the last, you know, three, four years mm-hmm. and, and growing yeah, up kind of growing awesome. up kind of idolizing that player, like mm-hmm. how much he wanted to sort of step into that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sort of place and, and be the guy to carry the torch and help carry the torch for Bergeron. And maybe that's inspired him in some ways to take his game to a different level, to a more consistent level uh, than it's ever been in the past. Cause I do think. Thanks for the column. Uh, well, I'm, I am already working on that one. Trust me. Oh, so like, uh, but you know, that's, that's something that I think you see and you can definitely tell that he's, um, I think he feels more responsibility in a different way than he ever had before, as far as the, the fate of the team and his, his contributions and, you know, what he can do and his role and, and what he's capable of. And I just think we see a very talented player that was always had trouble with consistency in the past. I think at his, at his age and where he is in his career, he's found it all. Like, I think it's all come into place for him uh, mm-hmm. at a point where he's playing his best hockey. He's like, at you know. I mean, he's got a hockey, baby, too. Yeah. Well, the, for hockey, yeah, that part, too, maybe. I mean, I, Charlie, Charlie Coyle has found the Quan, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And and I think, yes, and I think maybe fatherhood plays into it, too. You know, maybe there's a different level of, you know, wanting to excel or, you know, feeling this, like, uh you know, sometimes you you are inspired by your kids in ways you never were before you had kids, you know, and you don't realize it until you're a parent and, and you have them. And and that may be part of it with him, too, you know, is, is seeing that level of inspiration in him, um, which has been cool to watch. And, and I think, you know, certainly could play into it. And I, I think all of it, though, he's such a good guy. I'm really glad to see him performing the way that he is. But I think there is I'm sure that he felt some level of responsibility when Bergeron and Krejci retired, like, Hey, it's my time. I can step into that role. I can do that. You know, I'm capable of that. I want to do that. I want to play like Bergeron did and be that kind of guy and that kind of influence in this team, do the right things, play the right way, say the right things, be a leader, be a performer. Like I, I, I'm, I think. Oh and, by, oh, and by the way, that's really inspired Frederick. Frederick. Yes. Frederick sees Coyle as his mentor and his model, and yes. and, uh, and he is, he said that earlier in the season. And so, in a way, we have two uh, players who have really uh, found another rung on the ladder. Um, Tony Maz uh, wrote something, or he said this on uh, Felger and Maz, I think yesterday. Can I recuse uh, myself? He started talking about no. since their comments after game one of the season, I, de- I determined that I would never listen to them again. <laughs> well, I, you don't have to listen. I'm not going to play the soundbite, but um, I do have like what he said. Uh, Maz was talking about Jake DeBrusque. 
uh, in the last 13 games, he has eight goals and four assists for 12 points, and he's a plus nine. Pretty good. Third goal last night, excellent. He set it up and basically got the rebound and jammed it in there, which is totally correct. That was a great play by DeBrus. A significant goal in a game like that. It's a huge play. He was into it, and he was motivated. I'd trade his ass tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, I would have traded his ass yesterday. I'd take Trent Frederick over Jake DeBrusque seven days a week, twice on Sunday. Um, I think, uh, and then he goes on to say, uh, you know, I, um, I know what I'm going to get every night out of Frederick. The offense has been a pleasant surprise. I think he's legitimately become like a 15 to 20 goal player maybe 20 to 25. Let's see how that shakes out, but I'll take my chances because I think Frederick gives you everything he's got in the tank every night, every night for the most part, they'll, they'll take a night off here or there. DeBrusque, if you're taking the cheese on him, oh, you're a fool, you're a fool. If you're taking the cheese on him, Jake DeBrusque, I would trade his ass yesterday. Yesterday, can't do it soon enough. Um, I was only able to get through this because I could. I was imagining it as Alvin from the Chipmunks. <laughs> Uh, DeBrusque has six goals in his last 11 games. Uh, the Bruins are 17-3-1 when he gets a point. Uh, he has a dynamic element with his speed and skill when he's on that there are uh, most of the players in this team do not have. Some like, of the best hand I have ever seen in my life. Obviously, Marshan and Pasternak do, but outside of them, he has the best offensive skill of anybody on this team. Um, and when he's on like he has been since the Christmas break, uh, he is a huge factor. And having him there and productive, that's been a big part also of this team scoring, averaging four and a half goals a game since Christmas. Has, has been him finally. He's, he, uh, he's catching, he's playing. He's gotten in line with everybody else and played harder. When things were at their bottomed out, I'm sure that, you know, let's just say hypothetically that the Bruins coach was Mike Milbury. Don't you know that there would have been, you know, depressed equipment would have been in the hallway. Well, I get, uh, so, look, Mick, I'll tell you, I get more um, tweets at me from hockey coaches and more things I see posted on social media from hockey coaches, whether they be college, whether they be high school, like whatever they are, that hate Jake DeBruskin, do not like the way he plays, don't like the style with which he plays, and and, and he, like, actually bothers them with the the way that he plays and some of like the flyby stuff yes i get that and like the the inconsistency with the effort uh, away from the puck totally get that and i think he was very guilty of that earlier in his career i don't think that's the case as much anymore though i think he's a much closer to complete player now even when he wasn't producing offensively he was still killing penalties You'd still see him, like I see him throw hits occasionally now where you never saw that in the past. He could go a month without getting a registered hit on the score sheet uh, during those days when, the, you know, he was just doing flybys all the time and, and really wasn't competitive on pucks. Um, but I think you see that less and less now. And I think playing with Bergeron and Martian last year and for maybe a year, year and a half kind of rubbed off on him as far as the 200-foot game and and being a factor even when the puck's not going in the net. Um, that being said, uh, you know, I, I think there is also an element of you got to like listen to what Maz is saying as far as trading him just because of the contract situation, because the Bruins are probably going to have way ahead of Maz. I, I left Maz seven exits ago. This but is, the this Bruins is... are going to the Bruins are going to have. It's true that the Bruins are going to have to decide, you know, between guys like DeBrusque or Frederick at a certain point, they're going to have to make a choice because you can't pay 
you know, everybody, you know, there are certain players that if you want to keep them, you're going to have to decide you want to keep them and pay them. I just don't know if DeBrusque is one of those guys. And you do have to consider, continue to consider whether it's better off trading him and getting some value back rather than letting him walk away potentially at the end of the year. It's hard for me to talk about Jake DeBrusque and whether should he stay or should he go. And the reason is, is because I traded him seven times right. five years ago. And um, because I didn't have any confidence that he was ever not going to become a Bobby Ryan wannabe, that right. guy who you don't see him anywhere in the hockey game except for the 10 seconds that he changes the scoreboard right. on you and kills you. And that was Bobby Ryan at his best. And that's why uh, Brian Burke made the uh, uh, comments that wound up going public and wound up being, uh, you know, you know, picking the Olympic team and um, and all of that stuff that, that really uh, – wound up becoming controversial um, uh, because DeBrusque uh, uh, has been that guy for a lot of his career, too much of his career, to the point that he took a seat next to Eric Holla during the 21 season and um, and then and then would uh, later, uh, was it 21 or 22, 21-22? I can't remember anymore. But anyway, bottom line is, he got coddled by management after that and got put with Bergeron and Marchand and uh, wound up uh, uh, being sort of rehabilitated in his confidence. And yep. then and then he comes back the year of the Winter Classic at Fenway and his lights out and is playing that 200-foot game, that two-way game, yep. and wins the damn Fenway game, breaking his leg in two places doing it. Yep. And and is, and is everything, and you hope for with DeBrusque, and more to the point that I'm just like, you know, you had me at hello. And and uh, and unfortunately, I never thought he'd get back to being that guy. And I attributed it to the physical stuff, although he and the team said, no, uh, you know, he was fine. Uh, and this year, I didn't think he had a camp. I didn't think he had a, an early in October. And I started wondering, is it in his head because he's got no contract? He's just not, he's kind of like reverted. Well, I think it, I think it affected him in the first half of the year. I think the contracts definitely affected him. And Monty kept trying to give him props and building him up and saying, no, he's, he watch, watch what he's doing away from the puck. He's really trying to do this. He made a great, great back check the other night, um, yep. dripping miles wood of the puck. Who's got yep. tremendous speed, obviously. Yep. And, and, and DeBrus stayed with him and took the puck from him legally and went back. Miles Wood was like, where's my, where are my socks? You know, yep. it was amazing. And so DeBrusque, when he's good, is great because his hand-eye ability is just unbelievable. He can knock down pucks that are coming at him, aerial from behind in flight. And and uh, cr 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 he just has like this crazy ability. He grew up playing tennis. Um, and and it, that was going to be one of his – that might have been his sport at one point, but he was better at hockey, and that wound up being where he went. Um, and uh, – his dad, he said, got him into a lot of uh, Louis. Got him into a lot of uh, uh, hand-eye type stuff to give him different experience in sports that would help him uh, yep. develop skills. And that turned out to be, a, a, you know, just such an amazing decision by Louis DeBrusque because Jake has got just incredible skills. Well, Mick, and, uh, I, I will tell you as an aside, like, I and I've talked to a lot of NHL people because I have a ten-year-old hockey player about like. Finn. The best, exactly, about the best, you know, what the best things are for him, just as an athlete, as a kid, as, you know, growing up, like, what what should I do with him? And, and what's the best path? And obviously, there's tons of different pathways. Um, 
and there really isn't a best path. You can go a lot of different ways um, to figure out, you know, what you want to do as an athlete, what you want to do as a student, like all that stuff. But like consistently, when you talk to hockey people, consistently, scouts, executives, players, everybody across the board, they say the same thing. Play, especially when they're six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Play as many different sports as you can. As many different sports as they want to play, as many different sports as you can get them to. Um, do not specialize in hockey. Do not play hockey year-round where you're not doing anything else and you're just at the rink all the time. Play lacrosse, play soccer, play baseball, play tennis. You know, play you all... know why Morgan Geeky plays hockey for a living? Because he wasn't quite good enough to play yeah, baseball. He loves baseball. Living. I know that. Yeah. So, but, I mean, it... but... But this but, is what a lot of people don't understand about hockey players that they are athletes. Yes. Andy Brickley played baseball in college. Cam Neely played basketball growing up. Or Brad Park, baseball players. Yvonne Conway love baseball. Yep. People don't understand this about hockey guys. They're not little elves from from the U the Arctic Circle who come down here and and have you know uh, cute little names that that we we enjoy their game and what they bring and. And there's ten thousand Bruins fans, and they go to everybody every game, and and but they're not really that that that's just crazy talk. Yes. You know, this is, and and this is, this is a sport, just like every other sport. If you can't yes. skate, please learn how. You'll love it, uh, whether you want to be a hockey player or not. But you uh, see, like you see, Pasta's soccer skills at times when he's uh, puck handling, and like he loses the puck and he kicks it back to himself, or like little things he'll do that you can tell he can do that because he's a soccer player. And you can see with a lot of hockey players, they're they're very comfortable using their feet when they're stick handling or when they're doing things because they play soccer. You see it with baseball where it forces them mentally to think about what's happening before it happens, anticipate things, watch on the bench to decide, you know, this is what I would do if I'm in this uh, particular situation. Because guess what? In baseball, when you're in the field, you have to think to yourself, what's going to happen if the ball gets hit to me in different situations? And you're thinking on a whole different level mentally rather than just reacting, which is what happens a lot if you're just playing hockey. You'd just be reacting all the time instead of thinking more and anticipating what's going to happen. And, you know, what we always talk about Gretzky going where the puck is going to be, not where it is. Like those kind of things, I think playing other sports and Gretzky play baseball uh, doing other sports I think helps you in, in, in lacrosse definitely helps you with the hand eye and with your hands and stick handling some of the best puck handlers I've seen in Finn's age group are kids that play lacrosse and have had constantly a, a cradling lacrosse stick in their hand so mm -hmm. like even if you're selfishly you want your kid to be a hockey player and you're like that's the tunnel vision of what you want you're not gonna allow for anything else and that's just like what you're looking at like, even from that perspective, you should have your kids play in all right. these different Your sports. best chance of getting them there, that's what you really want as a parent, but you know it would be wrong to put that into the kid's head. Yeah. But if you want that for him secretly, then the best thing for him is to give him an experience that allows him to develop skills that if it so happens that this is what he has passion for, right. then this is where he'll be uh, really great at something if he's yep. got the skills. And if not, then he'll enjoy a well-rounded sports experience that'll carry him through his life. And 100%. God bless you if, if you, if you, because uh, everybody has a favorite something, you know, I mean, I joke with people, they say, what's your favorite sport? I say tennis, you know, I mean, as a tennis ref for, you know, 25 years, um, yep. played a ton and, um, you know, still have my, I have my own stringer. Uh, but you know, but my little under breath afterwards is yeah, hockey's my life. 
you know, so that's the that's the little underbelly joke there. So, yep. uh, but yeah, Dennis Seidenberg, uh, as a te teen tennis player, hockey player, got the runaround from the German uh, national uh, program. Tuco was a big tennis player too, right? That's right. Zaka is, Pasta is. Um, I hear Zaka is good, but yep. Dennis, but here's how good Dennis uh, Seidenberg was. He beat a guy at age 16 in Germany who, uh, Dennis, another Dennis, Gremmelmeyer, who went on to become number 58 on the ATP computer. Right. That's how good he was. So, yeah. but he, he threatened to go play tennis when they was getting a runaround from the German national team. <laughs> and they said, okay, no, okay, we'll put you on the team. We'll put you on the team. And that's why you saw Chara and Seidenberg together in the Stanley Cup. There you go. I love it, Mick. We do have factor meals. Uh, to help us out, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a, a quick meal. Uh, they fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, they have calorie-conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's, it's, it's a great deal. Um, so if you want to get Factor Meals, uh, go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready-to-make to meal kits, especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry if you go to Factor Meals. It gets the hags thumbs up, seal of approval. Getting back to what, like, DeBrusque, the original uh, sort of what got us off on this tangent. Original six. I, I think... Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to trade him um, because I think this team has a legit chance to make at least a run of a, a, a couple rounds in the playoffs. And I think you need DeBrusque in order to do that. I think trading him away uh, compromises the offensive ceiling of this team, unless you have a solution in house that you think and can step in and bring that kind of dynamic offensive ability, which they don't, you know, I, I, I don't use your deadline pickup. I, I, yeah, I don't think you can move him. Uh, well, no, I, they're going to go, look, they're going to get stuff at the deadline. I have no doubt about it. I just don't think it's going to be a household name. Big I, mean, I mean, how you handle the press, you see him as your deadline. Pick no, you could, I suppose. Play. But like, but, but the bottom line is if you were trading him, you'd have to trade for somebody else to replace him. You know, like you're, you're not going to have well, anybody. Yeah, for me, to for me, it's a question of what's out there because history tells me that, um, anybody who's not playing a series of one-year contracts because if they're into their career and it's a family decision, if you're at the brush stage or in the prime of your career, the young end of your prime, especially, then in your in your UFA and you're in your contract year, how many of those have, players have re-signed with right. the Bruins? Um, and and you know, so to me, he's gone. And, and if, so, and if they do re-sign, they've re-signed very early. They don't. They're not re-signing like. You know when it when the the gun is against everybody's head and free agency's right around the corner. That's not no, how. No, I I don't see it. And so if he's walking, 
then I'm saying, look, even if I don't think whether I do or think this team has a chance to uh, to make a, a, a bit of a run here, I would not keep DeBrus on that, predicated on that if I thought I could get a player who trends my team more to the kind I think can make a deep run next yeah. year, if not this year. Well, no, I want to get a guy. I would want to get a guy with term that I thought was trend trends me in that direction, even if he's not as talented as Jake DeBrusque. If if you can upgrade or like get somebody in that you really like in a trade for him, like sure. But I, I'm well, yeah, I get I'm, Jeff I'm speaking I'm more. I'm speaking more theoretically Jeff, Jeff, of Jeff, trading DeBrusque and trading DeBrusque and getting like draft picks or prospects and and you know re, rebuilding some of that cupboard. That kind of trade I don't see making. If the, the trade that you're talking about, sure. If you can bring somebody in that you think could, you know, do the job or would be a part of the, you know, the picture for the next couple of years. Jacob like, Chickman. <laughs> who? I call the I call Jacob Chickren by his dad's name. <laughs> Is it dad or uncle Jeff Chickren? No, uh, it's his dad. It's his dad. It's his dad. Okay. Yeah, he's a buddy of Bruce Cassidy's up in Ottawa. Okay. Um but yeah, I mean I that that scenario, Mick, that you're laying out, sure. I, I you could if trade. I think it. I can get a player that, that that makes me significantly more like what I want to be going forward sure. in the top four defense or in the top six. Then sure. I'm doing it. Yes, but like just to trade them away to you know recoup some of the uh, draft picks that you've traded away over the years. No, I wouldn't do it for that build reason. A prospect cupboard. I don't think you can do that if if with this year's team. I think like he's too important to what they do, and he, you can't replace him with the guys in Providence like Fabian Lysel. Or George, Georgie Merkulov are not going to replace Jake DeBrusque and what he brings to the table. All right. right um, Twitter Twitter of the week, Twitter question of the week, tweet of the week, whatever we're calling it. We're still uh, looking for a sponsor. Reach out. Um, MJC Senior 11 on Twitter. Nice season or chance for a cup? Nice season equals stand pat. Play for a cup equals trade 35, 74, 48, for a top six forward and a physical presence on the fourth line. I want, I want physicality in the top six. I, I, if I'm moving to brusque out of the top six, I want the physicality there. I don't want to yep. nibble around the edges of this thing. Yep. Um, you can get a physical guys to play in the bottom and, and on your fourth line or a dime a dozen. I want, I want my physical guy to affect my ability to forecheck the, the Montours of the world so that when there's a minute left in game seven and you lead, he doesn't have enough left to bring the puck up and make a great play because of his all-world skill. And, and that's what I want to see. And that's what was missing on their forecheck last year. No collective penetration, no, no uh, you know, distraction on their retrievals. They just didn't really have any uh, cumulative effect on their D's. That's what's got to come with this. I think that they get some of that with the team they have right now. They need more. Let's throw out a, hypo a hypothetical here, Mick. Um, say you could trade Linus, DeBrusque, and Grizzlick uh, to Anaheim for Zegris and Gudis. Would you do that? No. I don't, like either, I don't like either player enough. I do think Gudis had an incredible playoff last year. But I think his body of work overall in his in his career is loose cannon, bad penalty waiting to happen, and um, and I know Gudis isn't making as much money as I originally thought. I think it's only like four million. Yeah, um, Zegers I plain old don't like. Yes, 
<laughs> that's I was gonna say it, in that hypothetical situation, I'm actually okay with Gudis. I think he addresses something they desperately need on the back end is somebody that the other team is going to be worried about and is going to be thinking about and is kind of afraid of. Um, and I think that that could be a good element. Although like I, I saw Brennan Carlo the other night in that Winnipeg game, like throwing around the body and playing with a different level of sort of mean and physicality that I don't recall seeing very often. And it was a different level of ferocity from him. And if he can play like that more often, like he could be that guy I just haven't seen that enough from him in his career with the Bruins to to think that that consistently is going to be there. But yeah. it, take, it made Probably me take note of baseline, but it but as a regular, it'd be nice to see it as a as a frequent accent. Yes, exactly, and 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 leaning a little bit more into that. Like if he does that more often, I think it negates some of the need. And, and you know what else? And, and just as an aside, Grizz really popped this week. He played a more aggressive game. I thought that he just really really was uh, skating aggressively and making uh, solid plays and, and just really, everybody seemed to mean it. Uh, yep. You know, They were doing it, playing like it was the last game of their lives. Uh, and, and uh, I, I just, uh, you know, we don't even talk about Watherspoon this week because <laughs> this is what he brings every time he goes out there yeah. because of his career stage and the desperation that comes with it and the patience he's had to show to get to this point. Um, I mean, if you had to sit down Kevin Shattenkirk and you didn't play back-to-backs, that's the first time this year that Shattenkirk hasn't played when they weren't playing uh, con- on consecutive nights. Uh, so yeah. this is this shows that that they're they're deeper and, and you know with Forbort back, you have uh, you have competition back there, and I think the guys back there are are, are feeling it. I think so too, and I think Wotherspoon's here to stay because I think they're going to lose him if they put him on waivers and try to send I him back. I agree. To Providence. He, so like, he's he not, cleared in October. He's clearing he's now. Not, he's not going anywhere, um, and he's a part of this team. And I think he should be in there. Like frankly, I think he's a better option than Shattenkirk, especially if it's going to be sort of a low-scoring playoff-style game, um, like it was expected to be against Winnipeg. Um, but I, getting back to the tweet, uh, I'm with you. I think Trevor Zegris is the reason I would not make this trade. I would not touch Trevor Zegris with a 10 foot pole as far as putting him on my team. Um, obviously he'd be good for business. Uh, my son loves him. The kids love him because of the skill he can do with his hands and like the different plays he can make that are flashy and you know oh. that make for nice like TikToks or Instagram. Well, the last uh, thing stories. the boys need is another guy who's looking for his next Michigan. Yeah, but like that's you know the kids love him and they would come and pay good money and tell their parents they want to come to see the Bruins because Trevor Zegers and they would sell a lot of Zegers Bruins jerseys. But the actual on the ice product, he's not going to make them better. He's uh, he is not a guy that is gritty in any way, shape, or form. He's not a guy that I think is into the team game, really. He's not a guy that is, wants to play two-way hockey. Uh, I think he's a guy that that has gotten notoriety from being a very flashy, fancy skill player. And I think that's going to be his lot in life for the entire time he's in the NHL. And he's probably always, from a numbers perspective, even not going to be as good as people think he is. Like, he's been, he's put up fine numbers, but not what you would expect when you hear the amount of chatter about him. Yeah, and I hear, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, I don't want to add to things I did. Rumors and rumors about rumors. Well, and, not, and not even rumors. Make the vid- did you see the video of Getzloff when he was still playing, watching uh, Zegras, and I forget who it, uh, it was before the game, 
started with like the little shenanigans they were doing before they went out on the ice to play the game. And he was just like rolling his eyes and watching them like, what the hell am I doing here? Probably like pushed him to retire watching what these kids were doing. Have you yeah, seen that? Video? You know, I mean, that, that's a culture that you can't stop. I mean, and that's no. why, you know, and that's why kids are now. I mean, and some of the older players have made these comments too, about the, the skill that the young players are bringing into pro hockey. They have skills and things and tricks and things they do with a puck that, that nobody's even considered trying before they just don't develop they don't work hard at developing those kinds of things because they think that they've always been taught that no that'll never make it into the game don't even try to do you know and but that's changing that's and i don't know if that's a trend and it's going to keep a role you know happening because the physical part of the game is still there And, and and a guy like uh uh zegris will every once in a while embarrass a team uh, but every but every once in a while he's going to get knocked into the seventh row too. That's yeah. a fact of life. And uh, yeah, my pal, you know, scouting out the ponds. He's like seventy eight years old, and he he goes around checking the ice, and you know, like we're fourteen years old, and tells me, "Hey, this one's gonna." He sent me pictures in my email. One of the kids out there on the ice, Zegra shirt. Yep. You know, this yep. is the Wimbledon. Come on. So. Yep. Yep. But anyway, I hear a rumor that I read a story that the uh, that the senators are listening on Chikrin. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's go. You know, I mean, uh, I would love to complete the D that way. Um, there you go. You know, so if there's an opportunity to do something that trends me the way things are eventually going with this hockey team, and that's a building block for me, then I'm doing it. Yeah, I think back end is definitely something they should. And if there's a forward. If there's a forward who, who similarly trends the team, then I'm doing it. Yes, I think they should be looking to upgrade at the deadline, no question about it. Mick, thank you very much. Uh, let's thank our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Uh, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and uh, kick off the NFL playoffs. We're heading towards uh, the denouement of the NFL playoffs. So get into it now with uh, FanDuel Sportsbook when you can. Uh, Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Um, delicious meals, calorie-conscious options, 550 calories per serving, made by uh, chefs, uh, approved by dietitians. good stuff. So go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off of your first box. Mix, Mick, thank you very much for joining me. Well, I'll see you with the rink, bud. Um, everybody else out there, thank you for listening, and I'll also see you at the rink.